0: but real transformation only happens when you are challenged in a way that you cannot control in these types of environments that really make you highly uncomfortable and make you literally squirm. If it doesn't shock you, it won't change you.
1: Are you in a leadership role trying to figure out how to convince others to change their mind? Have you ever wondered why is leading and influencing others so darn hard? Are you looking for practical answers to these two vital questions? If so, Welcome to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. I'm your host, Denise Cooper, and I am a storyteller. I interview thought leaders and people just like you who are learning and practicing the art and expanding on the science of leadership. Listen as my guests and I talk about what it takes to be a remarkable leader in the 21st century. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone. And thank you so much for joining me again for another edition of Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper, where I bring some of the most generous and wise and experienced people on the show to have a conversation with me and hopefully with you that will help you identify those small steps that are consistently done over time that will help you close the gap, get from where you are today to where you want to be tomorrow. As always, Remember that you can send your questions in to me and I will find somebody who can answer those questions. We also have a new edition here of Mighty Networks where we have a community in which people join once a month on Saturdays. You can look on my website and you'll see that. And we answer your questions. People send questions to us all the time. We pick some of the most interesting ones. We refer to our guests, but we also just give plain, simple answers on how to help you close the gap. Today is going to be an interesting conversation. What does it take to be your best? Are you willing to do what it takes to be your best? Interesting questions, and I'm not sure you've ever thought about that. But if you go into any bookstore in the self-help section, you'll see book after book. There's podcast after podcast. There's advertisement after advertisement of people who claim to help you be the best person you can be. And if you just follow their tips and their recipes, you certainly will become an elite performer. But then you buy the book, you listen to the podcast, you meet with the coach, and there's just something missing. Well, I've been asked that question. I try to be the best coach I can be, but I've met this guy, Wiley McGraw, and he really does have some of the best information, but he's also proven that he can do that. Wiley is a former star athlete, competitive bull rider, and you know we got to talk about that a little bit, and a three-tour combat veteran. It is through these intense experiences that he discovered his crazy superpower of being able to expose blind spots, erupt and eradicate stress, and fully unleash the untapped potential of his high-achieving clients. He's the founder of Radical Performance Acceleration. Think about that. Radical Performance Acceleration. And for well over a decade now, he has been the the behind-the-scenes doing life-altering work with powerful CEOs, entrepreneurs, leaders, and public feed feature, public figures, accelerating their performance both personally and professionally. His work is the proverbial Navy SEAL training, equivalent to high-performance and leadership development, where he pushes even the elite beyond the limits, so that they not only hit their peak. But are able to sustain it, and as you know, sustainability and consistency are two things that we strive for on this podcast and in the work that we do at Remarkable Leadership Lessons. Wally, his his work is about giving an elite at the elite edge to high achieving individuals while ending their cycle of stress, sacrifice, and suffering that's unfortunately associated with reaching high levels of accomplishment and achievement. And I want you to hear that. His work is about giving an elite edge to high-achieving individuals or people who desire to be high-achieving individuals while ending their cycle of stress, sacrifice, and suffering that's too often associated with reaching your highest level of accomplishment and success. success. Well, that's probably the magic question here is, does the world have to be stressful? Do I have to make sacrifices that don't seem to get me anywhere? And is suffering part of being a highly accomplished individual? Well, I don't know, but let's find out. Hi, Wiley. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. How are you?
1: I'm great. I'm great. What's What's new in your world today? <laughs>
0: Oh, you know, it's all smiles all around. <laughs>
1: good, good, good. Well,
0: the chat today. So thanks for having me.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I have to start with the whole idea of competitive bull rider, because that's just something that, as people mm. hear that, you're, I mean, a former star athlete, a competitive bull rider. Some people might think that, you know, you got you got some different secret sauce going on there, and I'm probably not endowed with that secret sauce out of it. But I don't want to talk so much about that, but how did you get from there to where you are now as someone who was a striving to be that high performer to someone who is enabling others to be that? Yeah,
0: that's the... Yeah. <laughs> What a background! It's definitely something I constantly think about, and I, I love sharing. So, being a star athlete, baseball was my primary sport of focus, and I was a pitcher. I grew up around pro ball players. My dad was a semi-pro ball player himself, and I had an arm that was basically cultivated. He recognized that there was talent there and decided to do something about it. But as I, I played the game year in and year out, I loved I love the game. I still do to this day. But it was through that process of being a star pitcher, that I started to realize the nature of why I was playing the game was not for strictly the love of the game itself. It was for the expectations of those outside of me, including my father. And I found that it could have been a very lucrative and very rewarding career path to go become a professional baseball player. Surely I had the capability to do that. But as I got older and I started to feel the external stress Conflict with the internal desires that I had as a young man, I realized that something was amiss and I needed to do something different to really change the way that felt. So my mindset fractured and I realized that this is not as fulfilling as I wanted it to be for me, despite Mm. the talent, despite the path, despite that effect, I had to shoe in to go to college on a scholarship and I could have been easily drafted into the pros. That wasn't for me. And I found intuitively myself being drawn into the seductive world of of rodeo. I started meeting people in that world and it made sense for me to step into it. It was a wild unknown. It was definitely not like baseball whatsoever. And I found in in the world of rodeo as a bull rider, it required me to be present with my emotions, my mindset, my my intuition, every aspect of who I was as a human being became more I would say astute to the situations that were presenting themselves every time I got on the back of that wild animal, and it made me feel alive for the first time. And I found this wild world of challenge that could have resulted in injury or death to be very intoxicating. And it was there that I discovered this newfound potential that I had possessed that I thought was missing as a younger guy. And eventually, it got to the point where I wanted more, and I found the United States military as my next step, my my next calling, and I joined. The United States Army with the 101st Airborne Division as a combat infantryman became a leader running my mortar squad, and I served three tours overseas, Kosovo, Afghanistan, and Iraq. And it was in the middle of war that I discovered that innate ability to see the blind spots in performance of my team, myself, etc. This area ability to stay calm in the midst of that chaos and make decisions that really produced monumental results for the operations that we continue to be part of so that we could all come home alive. And it eventually got to the point where I realized that in, until we're, we're put into these environments that are very challenging outside of our control, we're really never going to know what we're fully capable of. And I started to pursue that path of self-mastery and eventually wanted to build something for myself, which is wh- why we have radical performance acceleration and I, why I work with high achieving leaders, executives, et cetera, and so forth that are looking to be as as elite as possible in their personal and professional life simultaneously
1: it's it's interesting i mean that that's a fabulous story and and i love the way you charted how one one adventure moved you to another adventure to another adventure but it was all from a place of seeking something inside so you started from the outside then said to the you know no this has to be for me right in this process it, people listening to this and, and hearing it, it almost feels like you're you're kind of a thrill seeker out of this, you know, and 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 ask the question of themselves. Well, you know, I'm I'm not going to first of all, I'm not a competitive athlete, but there is no way I'm riding a bull or, you know, I for whatever reason, I, I don't want to be in war. I don't need that edging like that. What did you learn from that? Those experiences that taking you out and really seeing how you had to perform in situations where you had to make fast decisions, you had to use your entire presence to be successful in those situations that as you look back, because you know hindsight's always 2020, 20, right? As serving you now, but also serving your clients as you go forward.
0: I found um, the biggest mentors in my life were those life experiences, despite how many books I may have read or you know, my education, all of the formal aspects of learning about myself were for, more for myself just to add into what I discovered in those life experiences and i found that our life experiences are in fact our biggest teachers but we are also very uncomfortable with the life experiences that are highly negative to us mm. so what i learned was despite the the stress that i experienced in my family dynamic growing up despite the pressure that was placed upon me as an athlete despite anything and everything that came into the environment that really made me feel awful inside that challenged my comfort levels. I realized it was there that I had access to more of my own potential and my own thinking and my own ability to act despite facing the fear of those unknowns that presented themselves constantly. So what I discovered was when we can embrace the suck, not suck it up, which what you talked about earlier is when we can end the sacrifice of suffering stress and and in chaos, when it comes to achieving what we want, we realize that there's a difference in sucking things up, suppressing, mm-hmm. right? And embracing the suck of the environment that we're in that is meant for us to pull from it as value to who we are as human beings. We don't value chaotic moments enough. Mm. We comfort as human beings. And we like things that feel somewhat controllable. We find ourselves like you said earlier, pretending that we're stepping outside our comfort zones when we do the programs and we read the books and we believe in those that sell us on the concepts of transformation. But real transformation only happens when you are challenged in a way that you cannot control in these types of environments that really make you highly uncomfortable and make you literally squirm. If it doesn't shock you, it won't change you. And I wrote that in a a book I just co-authored recently that was launched uh, last week my chapter is all about yielding to the fear of the unknown and understanding the contrast between what it really actually looks like to do that and what you think you're doing when it comes to embracing that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you made the quote about yielding to the fear of the unknown. I'm not sure that people and and you know research now that's coming out on emotional intelligence and how emotions really drive us. I don't know that people know and, and not having a language for those emotions too. So all of that works kind of in a confluence right now. I don't know that people know the difference between when their intuitive gut is truly, when that fear is truly real and something they should pay attention to, and maybe it's not fear, but that self-preservation that says, eh, I don't think that's for me, versus it's something that they should push through or set to the side or think about it differently. How do you help somebody learn that or get to feel, get to know what that feels like so that they know that they have, they're getting the proper information from their bodily experiences? <laughs> <That's great.
0: laughs> bodily experiences, key question. So happy that you actually brought that up because um, it's so easy to just chalk up a gut feeling about something feeling awful as a, a threat to us. We are, inherently not as evolved as a species, as we like to believe, uh, our psyches are designed to protect us from things that are, uh, seemingly dangerous or, or unvariable. Mm-hmm. So we create this perception in our gut and in our intuition that if something feels off with an individual that's in front of us, something that they're putting us through, there might be something wrong with that person that's in front of us. we never take the time to discern what's actually in front of us doing what it's doing. Is it uplifting me, or is it in fact causing a problem right away? We don't have the ability to discern. That's the that's the fundamental thing right there. Is discernment is lacking in people's ability to trust their gut. So what they do is they react to something that feels very uncomfortable and they push away from it or they run from it. So what I would tell people is give yourself a moment to sit in the tactical identification of an emotion, regardless of what title label you can put on it. If you feel very uncomfortable, you feel angry, you feel stressed, sit with that for a moment and allow yourself to pull out the information that that is trying to give to you so that you can discern whether or not the coach that you've just hired is in fact a threat or someone who's here to really push you far beyond your limits. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have out the world we get, we hire people that the moment they make us feel awful inside, when we're doing work with them, we start to give them the side. eye and think that they're doing something bad to us instead of Mm -hmm. realizing this person's here now because I'm ready in this moment to finally face that fear, face that challenge, do something different than I've done for the last 10 years and be challenged. We don't, we go, I don't like the way it sounds. I don't like the way you're approaching me. It's like, sometimes the approach isn't going to look or sound the way you think it should Yeah. Sometimes be what you need in that moment. So take a moment to sit with that versus trying to push it away because it feels awful in your gut. And I've had to learn that as a you know, the, the work that I do, I work with high power people who are constantly in the state of battle. We're battling through the demons and the stresses and the chaos that they have accumulated in their entire lives. I'm in the trenches with them. I feel it in my gut, but I still sit with it, in it with them so that we can get through it together quickly. If I actually reacted to the way I felt, my clients would not get the results that they desire and I would be pointless. Why would I do the work that I'm doing?
1: Absolutely. So that, yeah. So, so that's an interesting thing it brings to mind when I, my years of working at a chemical plant, and obviously you put chemical plants places where people don't exist, because if you make a mistake, you may eliminate a species, right? But I remember having to do the fire training. And so they put the, you know, the suit on you, you've got this head helmet and full backpack in terms of an oxygen tank, and they put you in a smoke field trailer, and it's dark, and it's, I mean, it's a sensory overload of what's going on, and you have to find your way out, and they time you to be able to get through this particular thing, and and as you were talking just a few minutes ago, I I, I remember being in that and having that sensory overload mm. at that moment, and I remember the, the guy who was teaching us, the word, his words came back almost verbatim to what you just said about find the calm in the storm, and Take the breath and then go through your fear because what's coming at you is not what you should be focused on because it's, it's not real fear. You're not going to die. Yes, it's smoky. Yes, it's loud. Less it's all of this, but you've got to learn to settle yourself into and face the fear of going through that and not panicking. Because if you panic in real life, you panic and you're going to have a problem. And most likely you won't get out of the situation, et cetera. And it almost, when you were saying that, it took me right back to that moment of, you know, wait a minute, you've got to slow down. You've got to slow the action around you down to get through these, these situations. And I think when I'm working with people and you tell me if you see it too, in the beginning, that's exactly what I'm battling with them is that they are popping off. Reacting to every sensory and, you know, thing that's happening to them. They're overanalyzing. They can't figure out how to, is it this one? Is it this one? Is it this one? And the world just seems to be faster and faster until it's overwhelming. And they're just really not figuring out good ways to prioritize and go after the things that truly are a priority.
0: Right. Yeah. It's uh, man- number one managing inner vol- volatility is not a skill set that's widely taught, especially when it comes to the old and antiquated definition of performance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then some Wall Street people that performance to them is how much money can we make in the fastest time possible. And they don't realize your performance has everything to do with you and your ability to operate in these types of environments. So if you learn how to manage that inner volatility, like you did in your, your training, you realize that the world outside of you is not moving as fast as you perceive it to be moving. The second thing that, you know, you brought up is, I love that they did that for you is they gave you an environment and a framework to test you and challenge you and build up skill Mm -hmm. so that you can be flawless and effortless in a a time of an emergency. If you consider following rote steps and programs, there is value to those systems and processes we need to. But I I look at it as in my discoveries that these are things that should be supplemental, Mm -hmm. not things to be religious about because you can get caught up in the idea that maybe, you know, following a former, you know, Navy SEAL and they're wake up, waking up at four in the morning, maybe that's not the best for you in your body, your mind. Maybe you need to sleep until seven. There are things you can pull from the discipline that they're trying to instill with their, their processes of consulting. But like you shared with your thing, and firefighters go through it too, military goes through it specifically, is we're not given systems steps and processes to abide by to a T. We are given the right environments in a framework, but the environments that they give us, they, anything can happen in it. And that is our ability to learn how we perform in that chaos and the volatility. Same thing when it comes to my clients. I work with maybe two to three clients per year. It's very intimate. It's very integrative. I spend you know a, a large amount of time with them anywhere from three months to 12 months. And then I'm done. And my job is to get into the trenches with them to truly optimize their lives by providing them the right environment, the right framework through the challenges that happen as life is occurring for them. So they can experience like you did in that, that darkness, that sensory overload, their ability to face down stresses that really aren't necessary for their accomplishment, battle through unresolved things that they never dealt with and mm-hmm the unleashing of their potential and experience their ability to manage themselves no matter what stimuli is thrown their way so that no matter what they put their focus on, it's always for momentum and upward movement.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. You know, we hear and read a lot about particularly hacks on how to be the high performer, create sure. those lifestyles. You know, and one of the words or phrases I don't like is like work-life balance. I don't believe in work-life balance because it's it's a constant change thing. But I do believe in work-life integration. Sure. And that we have and to I, focus on the integration, given the environment that we find ourselves in or the times or the situations that we find ourselves in. But, you know, it's a challenge that they don't necessarily know how to overcome because of all the books and everything else. Sure. When and and, you know, not every coach is for every person. How yeah. would somebody know? Because you've you've said it a couple times now. That it's really about being the kind of person who can help somebody in the trenches get to learn their own physical reaction, emotional reaction to stressful situations. And people who are, you know, CEOs, C-suite people, those folks who are in situations where literally it, it is sometimes life or death, policemen, firemen. You know, those kinds of folks, anybody in the public service, kinds of things like that. We really don't teach them these kinds of skills. And rarely do we even tell them to go out and find a coach to help them do that. Right. right. It's, it's a dirty little secret. I, when I first started my business, it was one of those things. Coaching wasn't as popular and cachet as it is now right. in it. But they would always say, you can't tell anybody. Mm. You know, I can be. you. We can work together. I love working with you, but you can't tell anybody I'm your client. Right. Because of this fear of if the CEO or the C-suite person doesn't know, somehow the organization doesn't have trust and belief that they can lead the organization. Mm -hmm. If somebody is trying to become a high performer and they're hearing this and for whatever reason, they can't afford, they can't find because, you know, maybe, you know, it's hard sometimes discerning who's the right coach for you or the right mentor for you. What would what would you tell them? What would they where would they start? What would it look like for them?
0: So much gold in that, Denise, really, because and I want people to, to hear these little points. I love what you said. I don't like work life balance because it still creates conflicting contrast. You know, mm-hmm. people, they get to this place where I'm, I'm trying to find that balance with my work and my life. It still keeps you outside of understanding that you are you, even you you when you work, you're you you when you're at home. So, they are not mutually exclusive. And I love when you said integration because that's the key fundamental of my work and what I do and how I've always operated. Where integrating things that really challenge you doesn't matter what it looks like, it doesn't matter what level it's at, is when you can allow yourself permission to find resources that truly question how you think about your performance, your capabilities, your, your what you're looking to accomplish. Lean into things that are very, Scary.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't matter what level of coach is. We're all built at different levels. You have your clients. You're you're built for the type of people that find you. Mm-hmm. That's what I do as well. I have been a specialized resource. My capacity, what I've discovered, who I am, how I was built, is for these people. So it's not knocking that the masses and other people out there have their different levels of capacity. It's honoring that and realizing that person that runs a $100,000 a year business, you're never going to, you may never be Jeff Bezos. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: don't mm-hmm. Try be a billionaire. Mm-hmm. let's get away from the noise of being told that we should focus on scaling and growing at all costs because mm-hmm. maybe you're maybe most likely you're not supposed to do that. We get caught up in the definition of society's version of success is how much money do you have? And how much, how many followers do you have? We have lost our ability to stay connected to who we are and where our true power is derived from. So you make some really great points. When it comes to, if we want to be high performers in our life, you need to first acknowledge who you are, what you've uncovered about yourself, what your capabilities really are in the moment, and what do you really actually truly see for yourself versus what you think you're supposed to be doing because the business culture says do it this way. Not getting lost in the group think when it comes to programs and seminars, just because they sound great on the surface, but they Basically, get you high on the concept of getting things that you want, and then when you go back to apply them into your life, you can't do it. So you get really irritated, and you get stuck in that mundane, never-ending process of trying to figure out what's next. And now you are, you know, tons of money out the out the door, stressed out even more so, constantly on a grind, and you're never fulfilled. And that's the key: is you can find resources that truly challenge you in in the moment that you're experiencing something that's uncomfortable. You will find what you're truly capable of in that moment.
1: I think we all have challenging experiences, but I'm not sure we all know how to get over them and to silence that fear factor that says do it tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, the the biggest way that if I'm facing a fear, I don't really have to make a decision right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get up and go run uh, tomorrow. (laughs) This phone call that I need to do right now is more important. (laughs) Or I don't have, or in the workplace, I find this is is often frequent, you know, something that happens. I know I need to have a tough conversation with Wiley, but I don't need to have it today. Oh, goodness. He canceled that meeting. Obviously, the universe doesn't want me to have it.
0: (laughs) There's that unresolved anxiety that resides within you about confrontation. Mm -hmm. We are afraid of real healthy confrontation. It is taught to us that con- confronting someone, I don't know if you should do that. It's it's almost like what's the word I'm looking for, taboo now, where if you do it and someone feels the intensity of your energy as you confront them because it's time for you to confront them, the reaction is you're you're an angry person, you're mean, you you something's wrong with you and then nobody gets anywhere. So we just teach ourselves that I'll try to do it from a place of being very kind and and comfortable and making it feel good. And nobody learns anything with that type of approach when it comes to dealing with uncomfortable situations. And you said something earlier, and I did get to touch on it, but you work with your clients who say, well, don't tell anybody. And it's beautiful that you brought that up because I want everybody to hear this. The coaching industry itself was birthed from the therapy industry because CEOs had a stigma when they would go to therapy. The companies Mm -hmm. would as mentally unfit to run a company. And if someone found out about it, so it fractured and became the coaching industry. So that it can feel a little bit more comfortable for people to say, I hired a coach just to better myself. It's still kind of around now. A lot of these high-level people, they want to act like they, they got to where they are on their own and that nobody helped them. But at the end of the day, if you look behind the scenes, they had coaches, advisors, consultants, et cetera, and nobody gets to where they are without that type of push. So I wanted to at least touch on that. But really what it comes down to is, You've got to be willing to, when you feel the discomfort, going back to an earlier point of our conversation with that gut feeling, when you feel anxiety, you feel uncomfortable, you feel the heat building up inside of you because you know you need to confront that employee, that friend, that that lover, that family member. You got to realize, take that moment to sit with that discomfort, whatever that feels like in your body, identify it tactically and still step towards what you know Needs to be done in that moment because that is where the universe, the world, whatever you want to call it, is presenting to you the scene for you to move through another limit.
1: Mm-hmm. It's giving you
0: this environment, this opportunity to actually see yourself through another level or echelon for yourself as a human being. But what people do is they feel that, like you said, they go, I can't, I'll do it tomorrow. And then they manifest because of how much energy they carry around avoidance. They manifest reasons for why it won't work today. Canceled meetings, car accident happens, this over here. There's always something in the timing that it happens when they know I should just confront this now, move through it with this person and get to the other side. Because mm-hmm. you might be surprised on that person maybe needs you to confront them in that moment. You're doing them a service and yourself a service. And holistically, you're actually allowing more than just yourself to grow. But people are so afraid to do that. And then when yeah. it's... Happening at a higher level, what do you think happens? What do you you think happens, Denise? It's you get angry type of bosses and and, instead of the balance of just doing it the proper way.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that kind of leads me into because you know the other side of it is, and we've been pretty much talking about the individual itself. But from that leader or executive or director, whoever it is, you know, whatever the title of that person is, because they don't know themselves. Because they don't, they don't have a certain level of self-awareness, they inadvertently create cultures that are toxic or chronic stress places, and it mm-hmm. lowers the performance mm-hmm. out of it. So, so now the question becomes, can anyone help break that cycle or how do you break that cycle? When you, know. you really are afraid that, you know, you're going to lose your job. I mean, now might not be such a bad thing because it's it really is a what is it? The, what do they call it? The great resignation and companies are snatching people every which way because we need hires. We need Those people work, to ready. work. And so they're, you know, they're just kind of out there getting anybody and, and trying to make the right decisions, obviously. But a lot of people, particularly in my work, they, they're coming to me because they they feel they work in a chronically. an environment that creates chronic stress and needless priorities and fires because of the culture, the the leader's attitude, the leader's lack of self-awareness. How do you help them? What do you tell them?
0: Well, number one, 100% correct that despite the Reagan era trickle down, you know, a theory when it comes to finances, it doesn't tend to work. When you, when you, Take a leader who has an effect on a corporation, a company, a business, an industry, celebrities, musicians, et cetera. It doesn't doesn't matter what their title or industry. These people do have a massive effect on people that are around them. Mm And these companies, they perform only so well to the limitations of the leader. And and you can talk to any military leader, combat veteran. There are many retired SEALs out there that talk about this constantly, that it all starts and stops with the leader themselves. So what it really comes down to is culture reform and finding resources that can in fact confront the leadership to change the leadership out or change the leader within that position, which is why my my passion, my fire, my focus is, and what I'm built to do is work with those types of leaders, is work with the company CEO, the executive individual that runs this type of corporate to get them to a place to understand who they are. Like you said, Mm -hmm. they don't know who they are. live through reaction. They operate from a place of maybe the studies that they have had as their undergrad. I'm a Harvard this and you know, Ivy League that. And that doesn't matter at the end of the day. Who you And how well can you lead from that position? Leadership, just because you have a title does not make you a leader. It's Mm -hmm. all about human dynamics. And Mm -hmm. what happens is when you get so narrow-minded on bottom line margin performance and you forget about the human element in your company, you have toxicity that burns from that place. So when you can get to the leader to be the most optimized version of themselves, or at least put people in places that can really change that dynamic, that's when these employees, these staff members, these team members can start to experience an evolution of the energy of the environment that they're operating in, which allows them to feel excited about coming to work. Because most people, when we did a study years and years ago, I know you know this, is that the number one reason why people love doing what they do is for the job in the in the team itself. Number two is the money. So if you get people to a place of experiencing that kind of like cohesiveness together and the leader is operating at their best and is welcoming, like we did in the military in my team, I may have been the NCO, but just like special operations as well, we all have input to make the best outcome for that mission. I might yeah. have, or am I might direct, but still, I want to hear what my guys have to say, Yeah, this reflects on overall performance when the leader is truly willing to be their best instead of just acting like, I know what I'm doing at the end of the
1: day. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And too many of them have to have, are surrounding themselves with people who remind them on a consistent basis of you have to be the best. You have to be the perfect one. You have to, you know, you need Mm -hmm. to refine your thinking around da, 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 you know, fill in the blank kind Mm -hmm. of thing on that. And so it's, It's tough. It's a tough environment for them to just kind of shake off and figure out what to do. And of course, the people who work for them are fearful because, you know, it's tough working for somebody who's not self-aware. If,
0: you could, if, if more people, and, and right now with, with this great resign, resignation, if you will, it's kind of like the buying, buying market power of, of buying homes. You know, It, it is a seller's market, mm-hmm. same as a, a, an employee's or, or a hiree's market right now. If that does not teach people in leadership that at the end of the day, your profits don't materialize without quality people on your team's running your business, your products, et cetera, we're doomed to con- consistently repeat history when it comes to the crashes of economies and businesses. So if more people that are listening that are in these positions where they have at least the ear of their leader, but they still feel like there's toxicity, it's okay to bring together a collective to say, hey, look, we need to sit down and really challenge the way in which our our executive, our boss, et cetera, is operating right now. Here's the truth of what you're, you're making us experience and feel And until that changes, we're not going to get the most out of our power and potential. And I know what you care about at the end of the day is making sure that we are growing this business and making this money and and taking care of shareholders, blah, blah, blah. But if people aren't willing to confront, we're never really going to get to where we want to go, which is why it all starts with, can we get these leaders to finally experience real peace, real healing that they actually need and long for so we can change our system and our industry? And until we take these people and, and, and stop letting them... Operate with dysfunction. We're always going to have these types of struggles.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that, that, those are good words for anybody who's sitting on a board. How do you know what kind of environment and what kind of stress and performance that a leader is actually getting out of it? And it's not written in the numbers. Right. And that's the interesting thing. It's not. It's not in the numbers. How do you experience this person? But how do other people experience them? And that is, I think that's that it's it's interesting because you know, we keep saying it needs to come up from the bottom, but I think the way you just phrased it, I think it real this is a board level decision kind of thing that needs to happen. They they need to be aware of the amount of business loss, financial loss, headcount loss, et cetera, that a company is experiencing because they've got a leader who's not self-aware. And I and I want and I'm purposely saying not self-aware, because I fundamentally believe nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to do the worst job in the world. (laughs) Right. They're all trying to do the best they can. But what the, the best they can is falling short of what they potentially could be doing. And no one has the wherewithal. And it could be skill. It could be knowledge. It could be, you know, they're not trained as a coach or a psychologist or whatever it is to help that person Truly discover those blind spots that have a negative impact. Okay.
0: You're right. Yes, and what, what I've ex- experienced over the years, I've been around some some serious people in the past, and I've witnessed how they have only hired basically I, the proverbial yes men that tell them what they want to hear, that give them a, a little bit of a pushback when it makes sense for what they see as the ultimate result. And then they're left at the end kind of still irritated and pissed off, you know, behind the scenes kind of going, oh, well, still not, something's not right. I need to go over here. I need to, and they keep trying to push the strategies and hiring more of the same to think that that's going to solve the problems. And what happens is you are left with the leader who after 15, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, who basically has swept everything under the rug their entire career Who becomes that unaware leader who doesn't realize that you sacrificed unnecessarily at the time when you shouldn't have for the sake of short-term gain versus understanding the long play that you actually should be operating at, where we have a well-functioning organization, organism, organization, et cetera, because you're willing to be very dynamic and flexible in yourself and your ability of the people that you hire. And you got to look at companies where when you have employees that are all angry and upset, it's because the, the leader is. And until we respect and understand that dynamic, these the leadership that's out there is going to forever be lost in the idea that They forget where they came from, that they've got it all figured out. Nobody can tell them what to do. And because they've accomplished so much in terms of money and notoriety, then there's nothing else left for them to to take, you know, take the heat on. So, and for me, that's, that's not, that's not right. It's not enough. Our politicians right now, our our industry leaders, these billionaires, there's a reason why we have such a division in our country and so much dysfunction. It's not because the people themselves wanted to wake up and go, on. let's be dysfunctional today and fight each other. Right, right. Basically infecting them with all of their garbage, and everybody's taking it on, and nobody's realizing how they're getting lost in the leader stuff and not realizing who they really are. And we have just these drones operating from a place of fighting each other. And it's yeah. like enough, and enough. The only yeah. way we is we get these leaders out of the positions they're in, or do something about the
1: leadership. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. All right, you know what? I I say it all the time. We we could have gone on another at least forty minutes. Right. on this this discussion. And yet, this was a perfect place to say, how can people get a hold of you if they want to know more about you and the work that you're doing?
0: Of course. So we put together a website, That's wyliemcgraw.com. That's W-Y-L-I-E, McGraw.com. I write a little bit more about my background that you asked about earlier, the story and how my life experiences get put to work for people. So if people want to learn how, because at the end of the day, what, what matters is what does it do for them? So if they want to mm-hmm. go read philosophies and insights over there. They can do that. I'm on LinkedIn uh, building a consortium of high achievers and leaders, etc. Uh, linkedin.com forward slash Wiley And then I think we're getting ready to, to do some Twitter stuff as well. Instagram, we're going to be asked to, to come on certain TV shows. So that'll all be pop, uh, populated soon on the website.
1: Cool. Very cool. All right, guys, you know what I'm going to say. If you like it, share it. If you don't like it, share it, because I guarantee it will be a conversation that will help you close the gap, get those small steps that are consistently done to get you from where you are now to where you want to be. And with that, remember, I've got the Mighty Network, which every Saturday or one Saturday out of the month, we host people coming in or sending in questions recorded if you join the network you will get those free for the first six months and we would love to hear from you with that i am happy or sad to say see ya that's a wrap and i'm denise cooper and you've been listening to closing the gap with denise cooper let me thank my good friend ivan g hall for the background music I'd like to ask you to do three things. One, if you liked it, share it with your friends. Let's build up our community. Two, subscribe so that you don't miss when a new episode drops. And lastly, if you've got a question or a comment, leave it below. I'd love to hear what you thought was good, what I could do better, and what topics you'd like to hear about. Let me thank my guests one more last time. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.